What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Philip Lagerkranzer, senior editor for crypto at Bloomberg News, in for Stacey Marie Ishmael. It is Friday, February the 24th. Hello and welcome to another This Week in Crypto episode. Coinbase reported earnings again and it wasn't pretty. A big loss and trading volumes missed estimates. And the prospect of more layoffs seems to remain very much alive. In Nigeria, the central bank is seeking technology partners for developing its digital currency called the e-Naira. And Hong Kong is making strides in its effort to embrace crypto and may even have the tacit approval of the central government in Beijing. So, to help me break down the latest developments in the world of digital assets, in person I'm joined by Bloomberg editors Beth Williams and Anna Herrera. All right, we're here in the London studio. For the first time, I believe all three of us, Beth and Anna, welcome, gathered here in the London studio. Anna, obviously you are a resident of London and you've been here before. Beth, it's your first time, isn't it? Uh, not to London, no, but uh, the first time uh, in a while. I was supposed to come right before COVID and then, of course, that changed everything. But but most certainly first time in the London studio. In the London studio, Yes. And I usually dial in from Zurich, so it's very nice to sit here with you guys face-to-face and talk about all things crypto. And so let's get into it. Coinbase reported earnings, fourth quarter earnings this week, and it was not very pretty, was it? Beth, can you give us the sort of potted highlights of um, what they came out with? Yes, uh, not pretty is, is is one way to frame it. There were was expectations that it was going to be bad. It was bad. Yeah, down in a big way. And while they beat expectations for these reduced revenue or less of a loss, their revenue is actually down some 75% from a year ago. Transaction revenue tumbled. Trading volumes were down actually 23%. And... Coinbase uh, is affected, obviously, that they're a a crypto exchange. So if trading volumes are down, they're going to be hurt. We know what happened in uh, the fourth quarter of 2022. FTX imploded. The market went down. And then just finally on the on the stock, the stock fell more than 80 percent in 2022. And it's had quite a rally in coming into this year, along with the rest of the crypto market in general and other crypto stocks. Whether it has further to go is is, is anybody's guess, and analysts are, are a little cautious about it. Even the, own, the, the company itself is cautious. The CFO on the earnings call said not to make a lot out of the January and, and February rebound in crypto necessarily, even though they've seen trading volume increase. Uh, and they've also said that they are going to keep headcount 
at least where it is, and they may even cut more jobs. So there's definitely not a sense that they're out of the out of the woods yet. That was interesting to me that they would not basically rule out more job cuts. I mean, you've had you, t- you saw them take out about twenty percent of the workforce earlier, and then you've had this massive or you know fairly substantial rally across crypto, and these sort of cautious comments that they're making. Um, Anna, would you? How would you read? What's your read on that? Coinbase has been through crypto winters before, right? They're one of the oldest um, sort of OG crypto exchanges. They've been at it before, so you know you you could be a little bit confident that they at least know how to shrink and expand very quickly. The difference here now is that they're public, right? They weren't public before, so everybody can take a close look at their numbers and can scrutinize. And they have investors they have to respond to, and they will have like investor relations and speak to people. So. I imagine they're having to be more cautious because they can't even signal to the market that things are picking up. And, you know, it has picked up, but volumes are nowhere near what they were last year. And it takes several months of rally before your fees go back to what they were before, right? And as much as they have been diversifying, I think the, the biggest area where exchanges make money is trading fees. So if volumes don't pick up, they don't. So maybe they can start thinking of ways to make money on other things that are kind of like crypto winter proof. I don't know, I was thinking maybe things like Uh, analytics like stuff that's different i'm thinking like you know traditional exchanges had to reduce their reliance on trading fees you know especially in equities when fees were compressed and so we saw them buying technology companies and becoming software providers so i wonder if they'll start thinking of ways to do that but obviously they have less money now so they can't really go out and buy things so it's it's just an interesting thing to see if they can sort of if they survive this winter and then if they can future proof their exchange for another crypto winter and I'm going to make a pretty big switch now. And we're going to talk about central bank digital currencies, CBDCs in Nigeria. So, Anna, you were part of the story this week about the e-Naira and some of the developments there. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's going on? So, yeah. So this week we reported that the central bank of Nigeria is looking for new partners for the e-Naira, which is the central bank digital currency that they launched in 2021, which made them the first African nation to launch the central bank digital currency and one of the first nations in the world, really, because a lot of central banks are talking about it, especially the big ones, but very few have launched them. Now, they're looking for a new partner not to replace BIT, which is their current partner, straight away. But what they want to do, based on what sources have told us, is that they want to take more control of the system um, so that they control the ledger and and it's their own. So the discussions are early days, but it just shows how like things are changing and moving. And it raises many of the questions that, you know, we have when we think of, you know, a digital euro or a, a brick coin, which is like, when is it coming? When will I be able to pay my coffee with a digital euro? I don't know if you guys think about that when we, you wake up. I don't, but some people might. Not yet. <laughs> right? No, I do not. Right. But, but you know, one of the things is like you're you're planning now for a token that or a product that will come out in like five years. And so, you know, if you th- if you think about it, the technology you might be deciding to implement now might be really bad in five years. And so this this shows how like complex it is. And maybe the you know central banks that rush to put out things before maybe find themselves now in a situation like a technological situation that is not ideal. And as Beth knows, because she edited a really great piece earlier this year, the Naira has had really not great adoption, as have other CBDCs that are out there. Because one of the big questions is, yeah, okay, you put it out, but like, does anybody want to use it? What, what's the point? Isn't one of the points here that you have, as you said, eNaira is very much in a developing country. Bitcoin is very much in a developed country with a fairly robust fintech infrastructure already. 
doesn't Nigeria have a good case here when it comes to, you know, wanting to establish a CBDC in in a more, I'll say, more developing environment? On the face of it, yes. I think that is uh, one of the main pushes behind it to get to the, the quote, unbanked population. Uh, and they're, they're even allowing you to be able to use the uh, use the e-Naira via mobile phone. You don't even have to have a digital wallet. They're, they're doing those kinds of, of technical innovations. One of the issues that's come up with the e-Naira in terms of adoption is very funny because it kind of relates to crypto, too. As a developing nation and one with sort of a struggling economy, they have rampant inflation, they have a devaluing currency, the economy is not doing so well. And many Nigerians are fleeing to crypto as in the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and tokens like that and not the e-Naira, which they see as a proxy for this currency that's devaluing. And so for them, they don't see any protection. They don't they, they see better use in in crypto, which actually, confusingly, that you know, the central bank is against that kind of crypto, the crypto that we all think about, and they're trying to promote this central bank digital currency that a lot of people don't want, though they do want crypto. Um, and so you've got this weird disconnect going on in Nigeria, and that's another issue on top of the technical issues that Anna mentions, which which it's true. You 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 want to make sure that that once you get it up and ru- running, that it's actually gonna not get hacked or, or uh, you know, break otherwise. And we'll be right back after the break with Anna Herrera and Beth Williams. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. I do want to move further east now and um, talk a little bit about Hong Kong. We've done a smattering of stories about Hong Kong and the sort of tentative embrace of crypto. And Hong Kong has outlined a plan to let retail investors trade digital tokens like Bitcoin and Ether. That's a major step towards the city's goal of becoming a crypto hub in a policy shift that contrasts with the crackdown that we're now seeing. Beth, could you just sort of briefly tell us a little bit about what's happening there lately? Hong Kong was a, a financial powerhouse for much of recent decades. And lately, with China's increasing control 
uh, you're seeing sort of a, a fleeing of, of, of that financial power and, and influence. Um, Phil, you yourself have moved from Hong Kong to Zurich. Sort That's of. when things started going really downhill for the <laughs> Hong Kong kind of <laughs> when Phil left. Um, but starting in the fall, uh, you know, China in, and uh, has been supporting and Hong Kong has been trying to reinvigorate its incentives and attractiveness to the financial community, including crypto. So they have come out with some recent uh, proposals and regulations that are more crypto friendly. You can trade crypto futures. And they recently came out with a proposal that's going to lead toward retail investors being able to trade the spot cryptocurrency. Yeah, Bitcoin so, and Ether, the big ones. Huh? Yeah, they, they haven't completely specified, but it seems like it would definitely be those two and, and other large ones. But the interesting uh, aspect of the Hong Kong situation is that China, which was a huge incubator, of all things crypto, cracked down on on the industry, basically banned it over a year ago. Now there's a sense that Hong Kong, with its ties to China, has a lot of people saying, could this possibly be leading to or signaling some kind of pivot from China? And we just recently reported, Bloomberg reported, that some Chinese mainland liaison officers have been asking questions and seeing how things are going in Hong Kong. So there's raising this this expectation that perhaps China could change course a little. I mean, I think that's it's a big statement, and I think that would be a long way off. I mean, they were pretty severe in the pullback that they they made. Yeah, and there's another aspect here in this that Singapore, which sort of stirs stole the crown early on in the race. Hong Kong was trying to bat itself out of the COVID depths, um, and Singapore now has kind of gotten a little bit cold feet, you know, when it comes to retail trading or crypto. And do you see that Hong Kong perceives potentially like a little bit of a gap here to start stealing a march on Singapore? I think it's now just funny how you have the SEC, not just the SEC, but all U.S. authorities being so aggressive that even someone saying, we'll let you trade Bitcoin and Ether seems like such a giant concession. It's, I mean, it's, you know, we went from trade whatever thing you can find on against crypto and fine like there's no problem to now like we'll let you trade bitcoin ether and everybody being excited and i think it just shows how you know it's it's interesting throughout crypto's history we've had waves where the volumes were coming from asia at the very big like not very beginning but early rally days a lot of the volume was on chinese exchanges with let which led people to think you know, how do we know that it's true? And there were instances of wash trading that were like documented by figures that are still in crypto these days. Um, and so like we've had crackdowns and then from crackdowns, crypto's moved to another region and then it's come back. And, you know, it's just a question of like moving somewhere. It's just like very shifty crypto. It moves from place to the, the next. But the, the wonder is, you know, people are, are very much talking about is, is the U.S. dead? We see them, everybody leave. Is there no interest? But you know, it's it's a massive domestic market. That's where the money is. That's where finance is in the end. And so I wonder whether really, you know, maybe trading will move to Hong Kong for a few years. And then once rules get in, come in place in the U.S. or people find another way to like skirt them with like some big giant narrative about some other new thing, they go back and then they get cracked down again. But I don't I don't know if anybody will get like the crown for, for good. Like if we measure you know, crypto hubs by the size of investments and startups and innovation. And in the end, it's really, you know, always the U.S. But if we measure it by vo trading volumes, then, 
it's a bit different because in one case, we don't even know where the exchange is based. Like Binance is the biggest exchange. We don't know where their headquarters is. So would you say their volumes are like, would you judge it by their users? Like, do we mm. trust that users are where they say they are? It's just like a giant, you know, conundrum. I guess we'll have to wait a few months and see how it goes for Hong Kong in its crypto endeavors. Anna and Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Thank, thank you. you. This was Bloomberg editors Anna Herrera and Beth Williams. You can find more of their work on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. And for more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Barrero. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. Have a great weekend. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.